So we're going through, as you probably know, um, a series on the Psalms this summer. And if you um, are leading a Sunday, you get to pick the Psalm. And I thought, great, I know which one I'm going to pick. And this one came to mind straight away because basically it's one of my favorites. And why did I choose it? Um, Well, ah, brilliant. There's a little title. This is in the American version, I think, the American Standard Version. Each psalm has a little title um, at the top of it. And this is what it says in this version. The Lord delivers men from manifold troubles. A little formal, but I love it. And that's basically what this psalm is about. God delivering people from um, a multitude of different types of trouble. And for me, everybody has a rescue story, don't they? And I have a rescue story. And even when I think back now to what happened to me when I was a teenager, and now I'm 51, it's as vivid and fresh now as it was then, and I never want to forget it. And this psalm is about recalling, remembering, telling each other, not forgetting what God's done. So let's start by actually reading the psalm, and I've asked Caroline to do that for us. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say this. Those he redeemed from the hands of the foe, those he gathered from the lands, from east and west, from north and south. Some wandered in desert wastelands, finding no way to a city where they could settle. They were hungry and thirsty, and their lives ebbed away. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way to a city where they could settle. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and and his wonderful deeds for men. For he satisfies the thirsty, and he fills the hungry with good things. Some sat in darkness in the deepest gloom, prisoners suffering in iron chains, for they had rebelled against the words of God and despised the counsel of the Most High. So he subjected them to bitter labor, and they stumbled, and there was no one to help. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. He brought them out of darkness in the deepest gloom and broke away their chains. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for men. For he breaks down the gates of bronze and cuts through bars of iron. Some became fools through their rebellious ways and suffered affliction because of their iniquities. They loathed all food and drew near the gates of death. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble and he saved them from their distress. He sent forth his word and healed them. He rescued them from the grave. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for men. Let them sacrifice thank offerings and tell of his works with songs of joy. Others went out on the sea in ships. They were merchants on the mighty waters. They saw the works of God, his wonderful deeds in the deep. For he spoke and stirred up a tempest that lifted high the waves. They mounted up to the heavens and went down to the depths. In their peril, their courage melted away and they reeled and staggered like drunken men. They were at their wits end. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he brought them out of their distress. He stilled the storm to a whisper. The waves of the sea were hushed. They were glad when it grew calm, and he guided them to their desired haven. 
Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for men. Let them exalt him in the assembly of people and praise him in the council of the elders. He turned rivers into a desert, flowing springs into thirsty ground and fruitful lands into salt waste because of the wickedness of those who lived there. He turned the desert into pools of water and the parched ground into flowing springs. And there he brought the hungry to live where they founded a city where they could settle. They sowed fields and planted vineyards that yielded a fruitful harvest. He blessed them and their numbers increased greatly and he did not let their herds diminish. Then their numbers decreased and they were humbled by oppression, calamity and sorrow. He who pours contempt on nobles made them wander in a trackless waste. But he lifted the needy out of their affliction and increased their families like flocks. The upright see and rejoice, but all the wicked shut their mouths. Whoever is wise, let him heed these things and consider the great love of the Lord. Brilliant, thank you. So basically, everybody loves rescue stories. And I bet most of you can remember this one. This happened back in 2010. Do you remember the story about the miners, the Chilean miners? 33, they were called the 33, and they were trapped down there in deep, deep under um, the ground in this mine. Everybody thought they must be dead. And then 17 days in, this little note gets stuck on the end of the drill, and it says, we are well in the shelter, the 33 of us. And we thought, fantastic they've survived and then everybody was following the story weren't they about how these miners organized themselves um, how they kept the morale up how we managed to sustain them and then after 69 days they were rescued and who watched the, the them coming out pulling them out of that mine <laughs> and it was just fantastic that every single one of them was rescued and there's something, there's something about a story where you think somebody must be lost. And no, they're not. They're rescued. And that's absolutely fantastic. And this is basically what this psalm is about. It's about one rescue story after another. And basically the psalm talks about the fact that there are many ways into trouble. <laughs> And human beings seem to get into the habit of getting themselves lost. So this psalm talks about one situation after another where somebody wanders off, gets themselves into trouble. And it's nice to know that we're not on our own. If we think we're the only one who gets ourselves in a mess, it's not true. It's a common trait of humanity. And basically, if you look at it, and I tried to think of nice ways of calling this, but in the end, I decided that there were two main kind of reasons why people got lost. One was because of sin, <laughs> um, and the other was for other reasons. So if we have a look, if you have a look down that left-hand column, those words in red tend to have a bit of a moral charge to them, don't they? So hang on, let me turn over. So the reason that these people got into trouble was because even though they knew generally and specifically 
what God wanted for them in their lives, they chose not to do it. And as a result of that, they ended up in a bit of a mess. But if you have a look down the other side, that's not come out quite so well. The verbs there are not quite the same. They're not loaded in the same way. It didn't seem to be so much their own decision or their own fault that they ended up in a mess. They wandered, they went. And for whatever reason, maybe they were just looking for an experience in life, an adventure in life. Um, Whatever, they ended up somewhere they didn't want to be and somewhere where they couldn't get out of. So the psalm talks about there's various reasons why we get lost, but it talks about one way out. So many ways in, but one way out. And all the way through this psalm, you have this kind of constant refrain, they cried, he saved. So this seems to be the pattern that the psalmist is picking up on, that this is what they did, and then this is what God did. And it's picked up in the four scenarios that that are mentioned there in the psalm. In other words, yes, on the one hand, there is nothing that we can do. There's nothing they can do to get themselves out of their mess. But there is something they can do. There's nothing, in a sense, that they can do to change the situation. But there is something they can do. And that is they can call to God. They cried to God. He heard them. And he saved them. Now, it's interesting that it doesn't seem to matter whether they deserved it or not. Because you had the people on the left who got themselves in a mess because they made some bad mistakes. And the people on the right who, for other reasons, for whether it's because of our own fault or not, God responds in the same way. God is good whether we deserve it or not. So here's another trouble and rescue story, which you all know. Um, Jonah, there he is, inside the fish. He got there because he decided to do the opposite of what God asked him to do. There he is, but it's a different story, but it's the same refrain. I called to the Lord And he answered me from deep in the realm of the dead. (laughs) That's pretty deep, isn't it? That's pretty low down. I called, you listened. And then that's what happened. (laughs) It's a slightly different different Jonah that comes out (laughs) onto the dry land because I couldn't find the next picture. So he seems to have aged a bit, doesn't he, in the process. He's he's got a beard and lost his hair. In fact, it looks a little bit like Eugwin, doesn't he, coming out of the fish. Okay, so the question we need to ask ourselves, is there anything too hard for God? Um, And this is the answer. He breaks down gates of bronze and cuts through bars of iron. Basically, the answer is no, there isn't anything that's too hard for God. And um, many of you know um, 
the story of this woman, Corrie ten Boom, um, a Dutch woman who, uh, during the Second World War, her and her family um, sheltered Jews in their home. They got arrested, they got imprisoned, and it's the story of what happened to her, what happened to her family, um, through all of that and in the concentration camp. And the comment that she made, which many of you will probably know this quote, there is no pit so deep that God's love is not deeper still. She's basically saying there isn't anything dark enough, anything bad enough, anything strong enough that God can't reach you, that God can't rescue you from that. That's basically what she's saying. Um... However, there is a little bit of an issue here that I get to this point in the psalm and I thought, I wish I'd picked another psalm. Because the fact of the matter is that she survived, didn't she? Her family didn't. Her sister died in the concentration camp. Um, So we have to ask the question, but what about? (laughs) And nearly everybody has got alongside a rescue story, uh, but what about story, haven't they? But what about this? What about that? What about when that didn't happen, when I prayed for that and that didn't happen? And I just wanted to just mention this briefly and looking at the story of Daniel, which Cedric was mentioning earlier on. Daniel and his two friends in this story, as you know, refused to bow down to this idol that Nebuchadnezzar, this golden image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. The punishment for that was to be thrown into this, so this fiery furnace. And I just want to look at the prayer or what Daniel says in that to kind of help us through this question, this what what about question. And he says, if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. Okay? So he's saying God can do anything. God is powerful. God can rescue from anything. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. His expectation was that that's the kind of thing that God would want to do. God's good. God's loving It's not just that he can, but that he wants to as well. He's interested and cares about us. And then the third one. But even if he does not, God is sovereign. Now, this is my simple theology. (laughs) God is all-powerful. God is all-loving. God is sovereign. And those three things come together in this prayer. But the fact of the matter is, as you, as you recognize from this picture, that God did rescue him. They're the fourth person in the fire is, we don't know who it is. Is it Jesus? Was it an angel? Who was it? And you can't avoid that question if you're going to look at this psalm and you're going to look at people's lives. And I didn't want to just skim over it. But the fact of the matter is, for some of you, that question is much more troubling than for others. And here's a really good book. If if this is a question that's causing you to really struggle, question God, whatever, I would recommend this book, which I read over the summer. 
he tackles this question really, really well. But I want to go back to this statement, this even if statement, which is a really big statement. And how could Daniel be so confident that he would be willing to die in that furnace rather than bow down to that idol? How could he say even if? And I was thinking back to the time when I was about 14 it's the first time I'd ever been into hospital for an operation. I was going in to have my tonsils out, which I found very traumatic. I can't believe you can have it done on, on day surgery now, somebody told me. Some, some nurse told me the other day. I thought, oh my goodness, it was awful. But anyway, I remember having this conversation with this girl in the bed opposite me. And I was a very strange combination of things when I was 14. I was very cynical, didn't really believe in God. I was very curious about faith, cynical and curious. Um, I was actually quite insecure and quite fearful about things. And I remember something she said, and it's like this little kind of image in my head. She said, even if I don't wake up from this anesthetic, I know that my future is safe with God. And I thought, oh, how can you be so smug? And how can you be so, you know, self-assured? But I couldn't forget it. I thought, I don't have that confidence. I can't say, even if. And this is it, you see. There's something, there's an even greater rescue story, isn't there? So the greatest rescue story of all is what Jesus came to do. In fact, this was the main thing that he said that he came to do. He said, I have come to seek and save the lost. I've come to look for people who are trapped and to rescue them. And it's a rescue from an eternal lostness. Never, ever to be lost again. And with the greatest rescue story is the greatest promise. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And have you noticed it? It's exactly the same refrain. This is what we do. Everyone who calls will be saved. Our part, God's part. So it's not just the question of being rescued from this current mess or whatever it is, but being rescued forever from all messes. And there's a verse in um, this psalm that says, let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. So if you've got a story to tell, and we all have, tell somebody else about it. And I love this book, The God Who Changes Lives. And it's difficult to read this without feeling emotional because it's a story about one rescue story after another, how God stepped in and rescued somebody. Um, I just wanted to just very quickly ask Graham if he'd come over. Because just for a couple of minutes, some of you know this story, but I just want him him to tell you about his daughter. She's not here, (laughs) so I've asked the dad to to do this instead. 
just to talk about a, a, a story. You see, because these are not made-up stories, are they? These are things that have actually happened. And Yeah. Um, it's kind of an update, really. Um, quite a lot of you probably were here in about Easter time. Um, so Hannah was really poorly. Um, she had chronic fatigue syndrome. She didn't get out of bed for about two months. Uh, she couldn't walk. She couldn't speak. She couldn't hold her own head up. She couldn't really do anything. Um, and one day I was at work, and Rebecca, my wife, phoned up and said, Hannah wants to say something. So Hannah hadn't spoken for properly for like a long time, like months. And she just said, I'm better now, Daddy. <laughs> She'd been in the... So Rebecca had lifted her into the bath, which is what we've been doing. Um, Hannah had prayed in the bath, and she said, God told her to get up. And she got up. And she was completely healed. Um, we went to town that evening. Uh, I came in on Easter Sunday and sort of testified about it. Um, thank you, Lord. <laughs> it was great. Um, but then life continued, and another, maybe another four months after that, so she was fine for a few weeks, and then she started getting a little bit poorly again, and then a little bit poorly, and still not quite right. So we continued praying, we continued um, just believing, um, and yeah, now she is completely better. So we went to Scotland a few weeks ago. First week she was still quite poorly, um, still not really doing very much. Um, by the second week we were going for walks in the forest. She's running around. Uh, then we got back and she kind of continued to get better. We did a few like other things through the doctors and through various different you know things to help with this, the condition. Um, but we continued praying. She continued believing, um, and then. Well, now she's driving us mental. <laughs> I'm just basically, so God is better than, you know, he doesn't just make people better. She's better than she's ever been. She's been swimming kind of every day, doing like 100 lengths in the pool. She's doing all kinds. She's driving us bonkers. Every night, she just wants to go for a cycle, like 10 o'clock at night. We're like, can we not go for a cycle tonight? So, so it's great. And she's, this week, she's not here today because she's at guide camp. Um, two and a half thousand guides. Um, and she just sent a text message just when Helen asked us to do this. And this is her message. So we were quite worried about whether she'd be all right. It's the first time she's been away and all this stuff. This is the message we haven't heard from her for two days. And she just said, I'm having a great time. It's epic here. Everyone just walks around in onesies. Just did canoeing and jumped in a lake. <laughs> so I think she's all right. <laughs> so thank you, Lord. Okay, so that, that's basically it. We've looked at the psalm, but I just wanted to ask three questions. So what does this psalm teach us about humanity? And I just kind of wrote a summary of what I thought this said about us as human beings. As human beings, we can find ourselves in trouble and powerless to rescue ourselves for a multitude of reasons, some of our own doing, but some not. But whatever the reason... Whoever we are and wherever we've ended up, there's a way out if we call out to God. And what does this psalm teach us about God? God is everywhere and he treats all humanity equally whether we deserve it or not. He cares about us and hears our cries for help. He responds lovingly and generously. 
And the last two questions are, what's God saying to you (laughs) through this psalm? And what will you do about it?